Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But Elkanah loved her. And I think that Penina knew that. And that created even more friction between the two of them. And I love that the Lord has a wonderful way of being the great equalizer. One person may have a great talent and is known the world over, but may be a total misfit in social settings. God has a way of equaling the playing field. Welcome, everyone, to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 1. It seems strange that Penina, who seems to be of bad character, was blessed with children, and Hannah, who seems to be of good character, was cursed with barrenness. Often we don't understand God's way until he completes his plan. As it says in the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Now let's join Pastor Rob. Tabernacle in Shiloh, he would give them uh, a lamb and uh, and other things, and grain and things of of that nature to offer up on the altar in Shiloh. And it's interesting, too, that this is the last time we hear Penina's name mentioned in Scripture. We don't hear anything of her, her sons, her daughters at all. She's no longer mentioned, um, perhaps because of her heart attitude, but I think a, a, a bigger reason is that really the narrative here is to show um, Samuel and, and, and Samuel's life. And so one thing I love about the Bible, as you read, even the genealogies in the Old Testament, you'll notice that he winnows down. He quickly gets down to a fine point. He takes a, a lot of people, and he comes down, and he's narrowing it down to Shem, I've noticed this in, in Genesis. It just blew my mind. You know, it spent a lot of you know talked about Shem, Ham, and Japheth and their and their family trees. But then it just kind of ignores that. It doesn't go straight through, and then all of a sudden it just it really hones in on Shem. And why? Because it's through Shem that the Messiah would come. And everything in the Bible is like that. It, it, it's it, it's there's a broad paintbrush at first, and it quickly narrows it down to show you the plan of redemption. And that's what God is doing right now. He's totally getting Penina out of the way and her sons and daughters because ultimately it's Samuel. Samuel, this, this man of a great integrity, considered the last judge of Israel and also the first major prophet of Israel. And, and um, But notice to Hannah, he 
give a he gave a double portion for he loved Hannah. I I love this. You know, in in the Greek language, the word love can be. Um, there's several different Greek words that we translate the word love, but in the in the Hebrew, there's only one word for love, and it's ahav or ahava. And it means love, and it's a very broad word. But at the very essence of it, the significance, the root word of it is love with the intention of giving, not so much forgetting. It's about giving. And it's so unlike the love that we see in America, where we, we call it love, but really what it is is arrows most of the time. It's a selfish kind of love. What can you do for me? What can I get from you instead of giving Isn't that what love is? For God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? He gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So the very fact that God loved, he loved with a sacrificial heart. It was always in giving. And that's so different from any other word in any other language. And so the Hebrew has one word for love. You look at it in the Hebrew, anytime you see love in the Old Testament, it's this word, ahav, or ahava. And having children was a sign of God's blessing. And her barrenness, uh, again, was considered a curse. I love what it says in Psalm 127. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the room, the, the, the fruit of the loom, the fruit of the womb. Boy, the fruit of the womb is a, is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Children are a heritage to the Lord. But to Hannah... He would give a double portion, for he loved her, although the Lord had closed her womb. It kind of reminds me of, remember Job? Job said this in Job 13. He says, though he slay me, Job speaking of God, he said, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. And it reminded me of, you know, the Lord, uh, you know, um, uh, Elkanah loved Hannah, although the Lord closed her womb. It's kind of like a paradox, isn't it? It's like, he loved her even though this happened, you know. Even though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. And see, that's really where faith kicks in. That's really where our trust in the Lord really kicks in. It's not when everything is going well. That is easy. Anybody can do that. But it's when we, Christians, go through difficulty. When we go through things that are just grinding us right into the ground. When we are just without, uh, you know, our hearts are just completely broken, I mean, I was looking at Connie Beck and, and just seeing, you know, losing the love of her life of 40 years. And then less, about a month later, she loses a sister. And about a year before that, she lost a daughter. And now she's got another relative. It's not looking so good. Keep her in your prayers. But, you know, that's the kind of stuff. And we can't make this up. We don't have the God knows what he's doing. And it's not for us to say, you know, Lord, I don't really think I want that in my life. I'd much rather have the beach house with a nice car that runs and, uh, you know, crack crab by the seashore. That's kind of what I would like. And he's like, you know what, If if I gave you that, Rob, you wouldn't even know me at all. You wouldn't know the depths of... My grace, you wouldn't know the depths of my love, but it's in those difficulties. It's always in the things that crush us. That's why I like Job 
He says, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. And at the end, he says, you know what? I've heard you with the hearing in my ear, but now I see you. Now I have a better, way better understanding than anybody on the earth at that time. And that man went through everything. He lost it all. He lost even his bodily health, his physical health. And yet God was surely with him. And notice verse 6, and her rival was also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. Who was her rival? Who's her rival? Penina. Her rival provoked her severely. This word literally means vexation, grief. It is an indignation. It's, it's wrath. That's really what it is. Frustration. It's it's at your wit's end. So Penina did this. She provoked Hannah severely. It wasn't enough just to kind of, you know, she taunted her daily with it. Have you ever been taunted daily with something that somebody just, it's like, a, it's like um, lemon juice on a paper cut. Every single day, someone's dropping lemon juice in a paper cut of yours, and it's just like everything is grating, and you're just like, oh, God, kill me. You don't even pray, you know, because you're spiritual. You'd say, Lord, don't kill them, but kill me. That sounds better. Have you ever had anybody like that in your life? Probably all of us have at some point. And this is where her life was. And not only that, they were all under the same roof. Enemies under the same roof. Does that sound like many households today? I think it does. And he, she made her miserable, violently agitated. That's literally what it means, irritated with anger and rage. That This is where Panina was doing. She's pushing all the buttons with Hannah. Probably walking by, walking by Elkanah with a, two kids in each arm, and, and uh, El, they're at the dinner table, and she's sitting there with two little infants. And she looks over at Hannah. Hannah, could you get me something to drink? I got my hands full, as you can see, since you're not doing anything, since you're barren. Oh, wait, are you a baroness? <laughs> can you imagine the digs? Can you imagine the... The, the awful things that she did to her. Her rival, rubbing it in her face daily. And this is a result of sin. It's the result of having more than one wife. Certainly when a man and a woman, they have difficulties, there's enough trouble with just two, isn't there? Have you noticed, for anyone who's been married, you... you Two sinners coming together, one flesh. Does that always happen and everybody's like, oh, this is so great. You know, it's wonderful in the beginning. And then as time goes on, you're like, I'm going to... I can't wait for her to leave the house. I'm going to super glue her curlers to her bed. People get like that. They get ugly. I've never done that to my wife. Number one, she doesn't use curlers. But I could hide her keys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Proverbs 14, verse 30 says, A sound heart is, light, uh, is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. In the Song of Sol- Solomon, it says, Jealousy as cruel as the grave, its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. 
And wrath is cruel and anger a torrent. But who is able to stand before jealousy? And these two ladies are jealous of each other. Remember when I had you underlined, but he loved Hannah? It didn't really say that about Panina, did it? She was certainly useful in giving Elkanah the sons that he wanted, the kids that he wanted. Yeah, he I really, I kind of like you, you know. I mean, for heaven's sake, you had children. You should like her more than that. But, but it says that he loved Hannah. And do you think Penina knew that? You better believe it. And he gave her a double portion as a result. And, and you can just see her fuming, holding those kids even tighter. Can you get me something to drink? Can you get the stuff out of the dryer? The sheets are getting wrinkled. The old adage, what goes around comes around. And I love this because as Panina was grilling her, making her feel inferior all the way, all the time God had a plan in his mind, not to hurt Panina, but it's true that what we sow, we also reap. And what... Hannah does, and, and her heart's attitude was so on display as she goes to the, the temple or the, the, the tabernacle in Shiloh, and she's just pouring out her heart, completely undone, completely broken, looking at herself, going, you know, and even starting to wonder, you know, God really doesn't love me. This woman is fruitful. She's having children. My husband is so happy. And I can't even, I burn toast. I can't even do anything right. But Elkanah loved her. And I think that Penina knew that. And that created even more friction between the two of them. And I love that the Lord has a wonderful way of being the great equalizer. One person may have a great talent and is known the world over, but may be a total misfit in social settings. God has a way of equaling the playing field. One woman may not be that attractive, but has great musical ability. One man may not be the most attractive, but as a faithful husband and an excellent father to his children. You know, sometimes we've got to be careful that we don't put someone, anyone, on so high a pedestal. Rock stars, actors, actresses. You know, for some reason, it's like in the last 50 years, or even less than that, actually, we become more aware of the faults of those that we put up on pedestals. And I'm really glad for that, because I think there was a time when we didn't hear about that. All we heard about was the stardom, and they were the star. No problems. Everything, everything looked perfect, and nobody really said much about it. But now it's front and center, every little thing they do. Did you see the wart on Ricky Martin's nose? He was on Instagram. I can't believe it. I thought he was perfect. You know? Be careful that you don't put someone on too high of a pedestal because more often than not, you don't see the other side. You don't see the glaring weaknesses. We're seeing it more now because everybody's got a camera. Everybody's got a, uh, a video recorder. You know, you can record voices. You can take pictures. You can take videos. Nothing is sacred anymore, unfortunately. But notice verse 7. It says, So it was that year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, that she, Penina, provoked her, meaning Hannah. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Have you been so grief-stricken that you couldn't even eat? The only time I remember being so grief-stricken that I couldn't eat is when I lost my dad. I was like six years old. Sudden, you know. I just, I mean, I knew he was sick and he had cancer, but I didn't know it was going to take him, you know, because that six-year-old boy doesn't know anything. 
I figured he'd just go to the hospital. They would operate. He'd be done. We'd go back to fishing in the creeks of Northport, Michigan. Had no idea that he'd be taken. And as a result of that, you know, just hearing the news, I remember the day walking into my house and my mother at the table telling me that, and I just ran to my room. You know, and you're just, you're so distraught. You're not even hungry. You don't want anything. It's like your tears are your food. That's kind of where Hannah was at. In Proverbs 15, it says, A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. And boy, that is so her right now, as we see her now. In Proverbs 17, 22, A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. you ever feel like that? David, when he committed his sin with Bathsheba, he said, I feel like my bones, I just felt like all my moisture in my body was just, I just felt so dry and like a broken piece of, I felt like a piece of biscotti. So it's really interesting just to see the dynamic of life. We're, we're going to stop there because if I go into this next chapter or next uh, section, I would really want to finish it. We'll pick up in uh, chapter or uh, chapter 1, verse 8 next week, and we'll, we'll get quite a bit further. But just to, um, I, I would encourage you to read the whole chapter and read the first several chapters. Read the first two or three chapters of First Samuel before you come back. And then we'll look at them, and you'll, you'll just see the dynamic of, of the life that Samuel was brought up in. And I love the fact that God brings these characters to, to the forefront. And isn't it true that as you read these things, it really does stir up within you? You see yourself in these characters. You've lived the life of some of these characters. And when we look at these things, again, we... Do we look at them and just, okay, that's nice, and just kind of forget about it and go on? No, we're, we're supposed to read these things and put yourself in every person's shoes. Put yourself in Okana's shoes as he is witnessing all of this. We're going to see a little bit later next week how he seems to be oblivious to the fact that these two ladies are having a problem. Because at one point he says, Hannah, what's wrong? Aren't I worth more like to you, like more like 10 sons? And if I were Hannah, I would look at him and go, where have you been? Are you clueless? Haven't you seen, I mean, can, have you been in a house where the friction was so tight you could practically cut it with a knife? I lived in a house like that. You could practically cut it with a knife. The tension was so thick. Do you think the tension was thick in this household? you think the undertones were there? Oh, my And as we see this in their life, many of you have experienced that. Perhaps right now you're in a situation where some of these things are kind of hitting a little close to home. What is the solution then? We don't read them and and dismiss them. They're here because God is, again, throughout the whole Bible, he shows us who we are, what we're capable of doing. He's showing us the whole spectrum, and I, I love that. God doesn't even hide the wicked things. I would have loved for him just to have taken the life of David in those, you know, First Samuel or, or Second Samuel 11 and 12. I would have loved for him to take those chapters out. It would have made David look like a great guy. 
it would have changed everybody's attitude about how they view David. But, oh, the fact that he left them in there, oh, my, the depths, the depths of character, the things that we can learn. And, and also, doesn't that encourage your heart? Is there anyone here who is a super saint, who has done everything perfectly? Is there anyone here who can say, who can look at the Ten Commandments even and say, never touch me at all? No, I've got all that stuff down. Since a youth, I've I've had all that. Isn't that one of the young men who came to Jesus? Yeah, I did all that for my youth. Rich young man, and Jesus knows his issue. He goes, well, really? Well, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. Oh, uh, well, um, can't do that. It wouldn't be a good stewardship, Lord. Yeah. And I could just see the Lord just looking through them going, hmm, any more excuses? But they're there for our nurture, for our admonition, for us to examine ourselves. Examine yourself as we read this. And again, it'll make your Bible study so much richer if, number one, you pray before you read. But when you read, put yourself in each character and really think about it because guess what? They are no different than you and I. A lot of times we read these things and we think that these people walked around in this black and white world where everybody had these robes and everything was just pious and everything was good. Uh, That's not the way it was. There was no black and white world. They saw color just like you and I do. They see things. They had the same feelings, the same desires. They all had a desire to be loved, to, to love and to want to be loved. We are all the same, folks. And as you look at these lives, you start looking at yourself and going, wow, Lord, nothing's really changed in all this time. And it really hasn't. It really hasn't. I love there's a verse, I think it's in in the Psalms, that says, he fashions our hearts alike. He knows that we are dust. He fashions our hearts alike. We all have the same desires. We all want security. We all want to be loved. We all want to, be, to have the necessities. We don't want to have to struggle and fight and kick. We all want to be loved by people, to be looked up to. We want a, a pat on the back when we do something right. And believe it or not, we want to, we, we want to be disciplined when we've done something wrong. It's necessary for that to happen. And God, through it all, reveals us. And he reveals the great gulf between us and him. And he's painting a picture for us of redemption because we'll see that through Samuel or um, through Samuel's life, we're going to see the first king, and then we're going to see David. And then David, through his life, we're going to see God's grace. And through David's line, all the way to Jesus Christ, God's grace through it all, the plan of redemption. Let's stand and pray. Father, we thank you for uh, Samuel. We thank you for this book, Lord. And, uh, Lord, there is certainly so much in this book that we are going to enjoy. And it is such a good thing for us to take note of, God. For, Lord, you didn't draw us here tonight just to hear something read and for us to leave unchanged. But rather, you brought us, Lord, that as we read your word, we see a mirror And, Lord, you challenge us. Lord, help us to not leave the same tonight than when we came in. Help us to leave different and to have a new sobriety about life, Lord. To realize, just like Moses said, he said, 
my days are few. So, Lord, help us. Strengthen our faith and encourage us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.